welcome to the Street Profits Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Wilhelm. If you're listening to this podcast, thank you. This is a, po- a Christian podcast, but not in a traditional sense. This is a podcast designed specifically for those of us who are hurting, ones who are struggling, not just in life, but also with their faith. I've met so many people in life who are in this spot, those who are believers and those who believe in something beyond ourselves but aren't sure what to believe. Well, if you're one of these people, this is the podcast for you. Hey, folks, welcome to episode four of the Street Profits podcast. I'm so excited to be here with you today. We have a very special co-host. His name is Pastor Matthew Meadows from New Berlin Road Church. Uh, He's here with us today and uh, is going to talk to us about uh, false prophets and false teachers. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Pastor uh, Matthew, would you like to, uh, I'm just going to call you Matthew, would you uh, uh, like to introduce yourself a little bit more and talk about some of your work? Sure. Uh, Luke, great to be with you guys today. Um, I am a pastor for the last 33 years and have been doing uh, family and marital counseling also along with pastoring a church for the last uh, 30 years. And in doing this, man, it's uh, in doing ministry and, and learning people. Uh, ministry's messy. Uh, th- there's nothing that you do in ministry and you do with people that's messy. It's uh, If you look at what Christ's ministry, if you look at the disciples, I mean, it was messy. But what I mean by messy is also that can make it very interesting and a lot of fun. And that's what we're going to have right now is we're talking interesting and fun because the world around us, Luke, man, it is, um, woo, it is some more crazy these days. And, and quite honestly, exactly what Christ had predicted. So I look forward to our conversation as we, uh, as this unfolds and look forward to some of the folks in your audience, maybe even reaching out to you and asking even additional questions that we might be able to answer at some point. Absolutely. No, that sounds amazing. Um, so we, we want to talk about uh, false prophets and false teachers. You know, we live in a world where so many people are hurting and so many people need help and they're reaching out. Um, but we worry about the fact that they may be reaching out to someone who's not really teaching in the word of God. How do you recognize a, a false teacher, or false prophet? Well, uh, just so your audience will know, maybe we can do another episode someday where we differentiate the difference between a false prophet and a false teacher. Today, we'll just use those terms somewhat interchangeably. When we look at the scripture, because that's where we go for, I mean, there's our compass, there's our rock, there's our true north, uh, as it were. When we look at the scripture, like, for example, Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20, uh, Luke, you may have that. You want to read that for us? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Uh, Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit you will recognize them. So by their fruit, you'll recognize them. Anybody that's ever planted anything, but particularly a tree, you know, a lemon tree, orange tree, whatever, you don't get fruit for a year or two. I mean, it takes time, depending on the, of course, depending on the size of the tree. If you plant a tree that's, you know, ginormous, you might get fruit a little bit sooner. But typically speaking, it's a year or two because it has to go through a a whole set of changes. Well, likewise, when it comes to false prophets and false teachers, you're not going to, you're going to know them by their fruit, but you won't know them by their fruit necessarily immediately. Sometimes you can, but, but many times it's going to be over time, but basically three aspects or three qualities of their fruit. The first one is pride. <clears throat> we see pride in second Peter chapter two and verse one, and then some other verses in, in, in second Peter two, but it's pride and pride. Typically, if you ever looked at the word pride right in the middle of it 
is the letter I. It's I, 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 or another way to say that would be me, 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 me. And when they're speaking, they're very proud of themselves and very proud of what they do and how they do it. And, 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 and there's a real difference in pride and taking pride. You know, like we get up and shower and we do our hair and we, you know, we take care of ourselves, take pride in ourselves. I'm talking about a negative sinful pride. Another quality or another fruit that you would recognize a false teacher would be their sensuality. And what I mean by their sensuality is that literally what they're doing is when they're speaking, the, the, they're relating and, and it's not just sexually, but they want to be attractive. They want to be good looking. They want to be, and, and here again, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with somebody finding somebody attractive or, or being a, a good looking man or a good looking woman. There's nothing wrong with that. But if they're using it as a false teacher to attract, it's all about catching the eye. It's about the zing factor. You know, just because I have a face for radio, Luke, uh-huh. uh, you know, <laughs> and there are a lot of folks that only have a face for radio. Now, Luke, no, he has more than a face for radio. He could be on TV. But anyway, uh, just saying. But that pride, the sensuality, and then the third piece there in Second Peter verse three, uh, chapter 2, verse 3, is greed. It's greed. It's all about money and about power and fame and popularity because they are more concerned with their name and their image than they are with God's name and his image. And they're more concerned about what they say and what they've written as opposed to what God has said and what the scriptures say. So it's a, it's a huge difference there, and there's a gulf, there's a gap. And, and at t- in, in time, maybe right that moment, but many times it's longer than that, especially if they're really good at being deceptive, the pride, the sensuality, and the greed will take time for it to come out. Okay, I understand uh, what you're talking about. Definitely the center focus is on the I and the person, which um, how I take that is it most importantly, it takes away from the aspect of God. God should be number one. Um, his word should be number one. And anytime someone's trying to take the the eyes off the prize, um, you could say towards God, that that's a good sign that they're that they're a false teacher or false prophet. Um, I like and, and no false teacher and no false prophet, by the way, they're not going to tell you, hey, I'm a false teacher. I'm a false prophet. Yeah, if you were to go up to them and confront them, I say confront them. If you were to go and talk with them about this, and if it needs to be confrontational, then it can be confrontational. But you can start out with a conversation, just a you know dialogue. They're not going to say, "Oh, you're right." No, that is true. Matter of fact, the the uh, the way um, the way the the devil works, the that person might not even necessarily know. Like they might not have. Um, intentions to be a false prophet correct they may be trying to work in the word of god but be because how the the devil and evil works and how they creep into someone's lives and they take your eyes off of what you're supposed to be looking for which is the gospel in jesus christ that they very well could be doing more harm than good even with their good intentions absolutely and and remember if you're gonna do deception the first deception has to be self okay if there's no self-deception how are you going to deceive people that's right. You have to you have to be deceiving yourself first. I, I, I've never thought about it exactly, like that. and that's why you can be believable and believe it. That's why people, man, I hate to question him. He's so adamant. He's so uh, uh, sincere in what he's saying and so forth. Well, you can be sincere and be sincerely wrong, <laughs> and and so that's yeah, and that's what happens many times with these guys because they're they're genuinely out there, you know, doing as they would say, doing their thing, 
and you and and uh, and they could say it's because oh somebody's saying this against them because they have a large church, or somebody's saying this against them. I'm not saying that every person that has a large church is a false prophet. Matter of fact, I'm saying quite the opposite. It the size of the audience does not matter. The content of what's been being taught is what matters. So you would you would say the the eye on God number one is the most important thing that we should be looking for. If we ever see that the person's getting away from that, then it doesn't, it, I mean, we shouldn't judge just because the size of a church or, or what they're right. doing. We should look strictly into their actions and are they putting God number one in everything they Correct. say and everything they do. And, and you look at that and you kind of take a, a Jerusalem, a Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost kind of perspective. Look at their Jerusalem. Look at their life, their personal life, and their, their life with their their family, for example. Well, then from there, you go to Judea. And their Judea would be their close friends. It could be their church family. It could be... Uh, their staff, if they're a, a staff pastor uh, type thing or what have you. And then you go to the Samaria, which is a little further out. That circle is a little further out. Well, the Samaria would be, uh, could be other colleagues, uh, other people like that, or other things like that, extended family, any number of things. could. Be. But when you look at these things, that's what you're looking at over time, and you're going, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. What are all these broken? Now they're going to be broken relationships. No, nobody's perfect. No, no, no Christian. No, not one. You know Romans three twenty three, Romans six twenty three. The Romans road peace. However, however, when we're talking about a false prophet or a false teacher, you're going to see over and over and over again. It's all about them. It's about me. It's about I. It's about self. And whatever they do, if they're justifying it and rationalizing it, see a man who walks with God is is humble. And the way that you know a humble man, one that walks with God, is he's teachable. No matter who approaches him, whether it be a child, like Christ said, let the children come into me. Whoever, he's teachable. Well, these guys are not going to be teachable. And and the biggest reason they're not teachable is because they're self-deceived. Okay, so that, uh, understandable. They're they're not willing to to see anything else because they've already deceived themselves in, in what they think and how they feel. And they genuinely believe they're looking at Christ where... Scripture would show and the fruit of their lives would show their eyes aren't on Christ. Their eyes are on religion, or I call it religiosity. <laughs> or, or, yeah, I mean, yeah, or, or uh, uh, you know, the, you got to, I got to, every time the door's open, I got to be there. I got to do here. I got to do this. I got to read this. I got to read this book. Here's the newest thing. And here's the latest seminar. And, 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 and. How, how does that relate to uh, what we're seeing now in the church and uh, uh, prosperity gospel that we see where people are only preaching about the, the good things that come from from God just simply by asking, so on and so forth? Direct correlation. Direct correlation. It's a great question, Luke. When we look at a false teacher or a false prophet, there are those are the fruits that pride the sensuality and the greed out of Second Peter. But let's look at some of the, the things that they would actually be preaching or saying. Like a false teacher or a false prophet, they would preach that gospel of prosperity. Now, when, I, when we say gospel of prosperity, I really believe that you prosper when you believe the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, how do you define prospering? I don't know. I, I'm not saying that because you come to know Christ that you're going to be out of debt, no illness, no sickness. You're going to be able, you're going to lose weight. You're going to grow hair. You're going to regrow hair. You're going to whatever. See, the prosperity gospel is, is health, it's wealth, and it's fame. It's all about, hey, look at me, look at me, look at me. Look at what God's doing for me. The true gospel is looking, wow, look at what I get to do in serving Father. 
Ah. Huge difference. Huge, huge, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with the good things that, that happen to people. We all Not want good all. things. We all want good things to happen Absolutely. for every single one of us. But it, it, it has nothing necessarily to do with the fact that you do certain things and this will happen. That it, it's right. just kind of how your life is meant to be laid out. And sometimes we have no idea, from my perspective, we have no idea what the Lord has in store for us and uh, what we need to go through to grow in our faith and our and our love of God. And uh, sometimes those things are not always good, mm. correct? Sometimes they can be very, very painful. Yes, um, yes. My daughter was just recently with uh, her uh, boyfriend's family, and she got into a discussion with uh, one of his family members who believes that if you love Jesus, you will not suffer. Period, explanation points. What he said, it's exactly what he said to her. Uh, and um, she was talking to him about the fact that one of the key times, one of the times where God is sweetest and teaches us most is when we are suffering. You, know, you talked about at the beginning of this that those of you who, who are hurt, those of you who are you know looking for answers, looking for the truth, uh, I'm not quoting your exact words in your intro, but I'm, I'm trying to get close to them there. That's a good paraphrase. Yeah, pretty good paraphrase. Okay, well, thanks, man. Um, what I want folks to understand is when a false teacher, when they preach the gospel of prosperity, that gospel leaves you empty when it's not happening. When you look around and it's not happening, it's like, oh, well, man, I, I haven't won the lottery. I haven't. I, why, I mean, uh, uh, when you look at the real gospel, you look around and you begin to see sin like you've never seen it before in your own life and in the lives of others. It, it, it you begin to see opportunities for service. I'm sorry, sir. It is it is very eye opening for sure. Opening. Once you realize that. Yes, yes. And like Paul says in Ephesians two, it's opening the eyes of your heart. It's not just your physical eyes, the eyes of your heart. I mean, because so often, <laughs> if you think about it, we forget the things we learn. We remember the things we feel. I mean, you know, I, I took Spanish for years when I was in college and high school, and right, and all I could do now would be able to tell you my name, and I could probably order a hamburger and ask for a bathroom, because that's about it. But uh, but when it comes to relationships and when it comes to, like, dating and Man, I remember all that stuff because I felt all that. Absolutely, yeah. Those those feelings stick with you. Ooh, for a long yeah, time. And, and, and God teaches you lessons in in every whether it be financial, whether it be your health, whether it be relationship. God is always teaching. But the false prophet, man, and they teach them that gospel of prosperity stuff. <laughs> no, man, if it if it ain't good that you're doing something wrong, you need to be doing more, and it's all about performance. And I think you bring up a very good point with that because uh, when that when that prosperity does not automatically come true. It, and you say it leaves you you wanting and, and hurting and, and wondering. It really brings you farther away from God because then you're starting to, to doubt. You're starting to, mm -hmm. to question. Yep. You're starting to really uh, struggle with the fact that you're hurting just because you should automatically be getting something because of God. Absolutely. God ought to be protecting me from this. God ought to be, I mean, why is this going on? Why am I fighting with my wife? Why am I arguing with my husband? Why am I? Why, why do I want to sell my children? Why do I, I mean, we don't want to sell our children, but you know what I mean? <laughs> why do we want to get rid of our kids or whatever? Another thing, but see, another thing about false prophets is they refuse to call out sin because they don't see it. They don't see it when they look in the mirror. Why would they call it out in you? Absolutely. Now, but they will call out quote unquote sin if it's hurting their ministry or hurting their profits or hurting their bottom line. It's amazing how it's funny how we end up calling we end up calling sin the things that we're not comfortable with, where in reality sin are the things that God hates. And it's a big difference. 
It, it absolutely is. You know, and it brings up uh, so many examples we have in the, in the Bible about people that were hurting, but the actual hurting itself is, um, it, show, it shows the greater good more than if somebody was just having a good life. Like, uh, for, for example, the, the book of Job. Job is what I think of right off the top of my head, the classic example in the Bible of, of someone hurting over and over and over again and hurting and hurting uh, as, a, as a testament just to, to how if you, if you love God and everything that it, it, will, it will all work itself out. Um, we, we see so many times that, a matter of fact, almost every major um, figure in the Bible, uh, especially in the Old Testament, they are someone that, that rises Right, they're especially mm-hmm. someone that they're from yes. a small, a small that they rise and then they fall, but in that fall is where they recognize that it, they have to have that fall to show the greatness of God. If if David was without flaw, people would not worship God; they would worship David. But because of because of David's uh, just David and not God, he he failed in um, in his life and needed God, and and needed to come back to God to turn around and be great again. Right. It, it shows God's greatness. That's why he uses us broken vessels to do things um, so often to, to show his greatness. Amen. Amen. Well, another thing about false teachers or false prophets, they don't believe in hell or the need for repentance because they don't see sin. They don't see the need to repent. And because they don't see the need to repent, well, then we were one of the reasons that one shouldn't be the main, but one of the reasons we repent is because we don't go to, we don't go to hell. They may believe in a figurative hell. Or they may believe in a, a metaphorical place of separation from God and so forth, but hell is hell. Mary, Jesus teaches on hell more than he teaches on heaven in the new Testament. If you count the number of references, there's more references from Jesus to hell than there is to heaven. But we see in the book of, of Acts, Acts chapter 2, verse 38, talks about repenting and the importance of repenting. And repentance is where you acknowledge and agree with God the direction you're heading is sin. You stop, you acknowledge that, and you do a 180 and turn and go completely the other direction back towards God and away from whatever you were doing at that point. Well, these guys aren't going to talk about that because that's uncomfortable. That requires commitment. That requires that requires acknowledging sin. That requires that requires a lot of things that is opposite of what they they're teaching. False prophets are always teaching that what's going to make you feel good. They want to. Second Timothy talks about they want to tickle your ears. Okay. Yeah. That. Um, and it's funny we talk about uh, repentance and stuff. We we had a conversation to this previous prior to recording about me really finding the true um, the truth in repentance and what when you really mm. see God for who he actually is, when you repent, it's not a, um, I'm sorry, God, you know, yes. I messed up. It's not right. that. It's you are on your knees in mm. tears begging for forgiveness from the Almighty God. Amen. And the last thing you want to do when you feel true repentance is ever do what you did to upset him again. Absolutely. Like it, it is so far from you because you've reached out so far for God to for that forgiveness. And if, if you, if you haven't got to that point in your spiritual relationship, um, I really, I, I pray that you get there because it is the most amazing feeling. Uh, it is life changing. It's all, all the love and everything you could ever feel in your heart all in one to, to feel that type of, of spirit mm. in repentance. Yes, that's right. Oh, another false uh, thing that false prophets teach Luke is they don't believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven. Now, I don't know that you're going to get a lot of them that are going to stand up and say that Jesus is not the only way. But what they will say is they'll talk about 
that you know we need to be able to you know with with Muslims and with um, uh, Mormons and with with other you know we, the, with Jehovah's Witness that we need to be able to, to well, let's focus on the ninety percent we agree on and not the ten percent we disagree on. For example, okay. Well, <laughs> that that plays well in Hollywood, but that doesn't play well when it comes to the scriptures. Because that is not what get, Jesus told us that there will be that, that husband will turn against wife, father against son, mother against daughter. Literally, what we believe about Jesus will be a dividing factor in that regard. So, if they don't believe and they're not overtly, openly teaching that Jesus is the only way to heaven, then, my friends, I would tell you: be careful, run, go away. Whatever. I mean, if I ever fall off a turnip truck and hit my head and I'm preaching that there's Jesus and other ways into heaven, you know, I hope that you'll, you would quit listening to me. I hope that Luke would quit listening to me. I hope that, you know, whoever, because that's crazy. It's wrong. It's not biblically correct. You know that, I mean, if you did start doing that, that in and of itself would make you a false prophet. Absolutely. False teacher, I would right? I would be become, so. I would have become the very thing that I'm preaching against right now. Yeah, which which makes me go back to, you know, we originally talked about um, the scripture talking about the fruit and what fruit is bared. Uh, wh- what do those fruits uh, sound like when they're good fruits? Like, I know we've gone over some of them, but right. is there anything additional? Yeah, the, the with the false prophet, would, he would question the inerrancy or the infallibility of God's word. And I would say just the opposite. So when you're hearing this, when you're hearing you know, solid fruit, good fruit, biblical fruit or whatever. It's basically like 2 Timothy 3, uh, 16 and 17. It tells us that there are four aspects of of the uh, of Scripture that, that's important. There's the doctrine. And people typically, when they hear doctrine, they start yawning. You know, they're like, oh, no. Oh, my gosh. You know, nobody comes. This We're going to be teaching the next eight Sundays on the, the key doctrines of the word. You know, and people go, ah, and they run and go the other direction. Well, doctrine is, it, it's what's right. So if I tell you that Jesus is the only way to heaven based on the scripture, that's doctrine. That's just what's right. Now, scripture also in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it also gives us reproof. And that's that's correcting what is not right. It's highlighting what we're doing that's not right. So if Luke's doing something or, or when Matthew's doing something that's not right, the scripture highlights that. But also the scripture is in there for correction how to get right. So basically, doctrine, reproof, and correction. Think about a broken bone. So a doctrine is the way the, the, the arm is supposed to look. Reproof is, uh-oh, we took a picture and you got a broken arm. Correction is, ooh, we got to put this arm in a cast now. And then instruction in righteousness would be how to stay right. So correction is how to get right. And then instruction is how to stay right. Well, now, oh, I've got my arm out of this cast. And now I've got to go to physical therapy. And now here are the things I need to do to get the strength back and make it even better than it was ever before. That's what Father wants to do in every one of our lives. Because I tell you, Luke, there's a real difference between error and heresy. Heresy is when you go out and teach something. That's what false prophets and false teachers would do. They're heretics. They teach heresy. Heresy is something that strikes at the very heart of the gospel and at the truth found in the word, and it's wrong. Error is like Apollos in in Acts chapter 18. Apollos didn't know better. He was preaching what he knew. Yes, yes. And then when Paul and some of the others pulled him to the side and instructed him, oh. He understood the error of his ways. And then he went out and preached the gospel, the real gospel. So, Error, you don't know any better. Heresy, you ought to know better, and you do know better, and it has been pointed out to you, and you're not, you know. So so be careful. If you've got somebody in front of you that really is, you know, like they're 
you're like thinking, oh, no, man, they are, these people are so wrong. Make sure if you approach them that you approach them first with compassion. You want to make sure that you show compassion towards the individual. I mean, you can be right in fact and wrong in function. I mean, you know, because, so, okay, so you're exactly right. They, they've messed something up. When they went to Apollos, they went to him and they pulled him off to the side by himself. You know, they didn't ridicule him in public. They didn't make fun of him. They didn't, you know, oh, man, you're such an idiot or, or whatever. They just said, hey, man, I, you know, dude, I think you're missing something here. And they tell him about Jesus and they tell him about the way, uh, which is what would be referenced. That's Christianity in Acts. It's called the way. Um, yeah, that does that. Uh, that brings me to a good point. I know we're running out of time here, so we're going to have to wrap it up. But what what can we do in dealing with false prophets and, and, and false teachers? Like, what can we do? Should we should we pray for them? We, should we pray that they come back to us? What What are some of the other things that, that we can do to help? Yes, in praying for them and in praying about them. If you're listening to somebody, or you know somebody who's listening to somebody that you're like, hmm, you know, I don't know about that dude or dudette or whoever it is then what I would tell you at that point is, you know, have them listen to they, do what they say, is what they're saying match the word. And when I say match the word, God, God's word, do they walk through the word of God or is the word of God more like salt on scrambled eggs and they just kind of put some, whatever they speak, they speak for an hour and they may use three Bible verses and they barely reference them. Or is what they're saying based on what's coming from the word. Like everything I've given you in this podcast all these points we've been talking about, all of them came directly from the scriptures. So I am basing what I'm telling you on the word. I'm not telling you something and then trying to go find some of the some Bible verse or whatever to support, you know, out of nowhere, out of midair to support what I'm saying. So we are praying for them because what's the idea and the ideal behind everything in scripture is to bring everyone back to Christ. You know, he, he, he literally, he died for all to come to him. Now that doesn't mean all are going to come, but we don't know who they are. So we're going to share with anybody and everybody we can. So Amen. pray for them, Amen. pray for them, love on them. Make sure if you do have the opportunity to approach somebody that's either listening to or, or, or teaching false doctrine, approach them with compassion, approach them with being, with humility. Hey man, I, I could be wrong. I could have misunderstood you. Uh, I call it one downing or playing it down a little bit. But, but I thought you said this, this, and this the other day, and, and according to what, you know, Second Timothy says or what the book, the, the gospel of Luke says is this, you know, did, did you just misspeak or, or, or do you not believe part of the Bible or what's up? And let them explain to you. Don't, don't walk in guns a-blazing. Remember, we have a Holy Spirit already. You don't have to be a Holy Spirit in somebody's life. Just be used by the Holy Spirit in somebody's life. Big difference in the two. That's uh, that is amazing stuff, Pastor. I, I'd like to thank you for your time. I know we're running short here, and uh, you have some other other business you have to attend to today. I would very much like to con continue on this conversation with another episode because I feel like we've gone uh, a lot of uh, good work in here. We're doing a lot of God's work. Today. Amen, brother. I think we've just we've just scratched the surface on some of these areas. Quite honestly. All right. Well, thank you very much. Would you Would you end us in prayer? Absolutely, Father. We come to you this day, and we thank you for the fact that you have given us your Word. And the word, the scripture, Father, it's a rock. I mean, it's a solid rock, the solid rock that we build our world on, that through a relationship and a personal relationship with your son, Jesus, the, the, through your, and then from there, your Holy Spirit opens the eyes of our hearts so that we may learn, we may know, we may realize what's in the word and how to live. Father, I pray that we see the word as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, and we see it as medicinal. In other words, it heals uh, a lot of times, Father, we look at your word and we go, oh, like it's a killjoy. 
Father, I want us to look at your word and recognize that you're, what you've given us in your word is to protect us, but also to grow us, much like we do with our children. We don't always give them what they want, but Father, we try to do try to give them what they need, and we give them a lot of things they need that they would never want. But that's the only way to help them to grow up to be productive and functional and mature and loving, caring, sharing with others. So, Father, I pray you do the same with us. Thank you for our time together today. Thank you for pricking the hearts of any and all who would listen to this because we know, Father, that your word never returns null or void. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Okay, folks. Well, thank you. Uh, Once again, I'd like to remind everybody, if you'd like to reach out to the podcast, um, you can reach out for prayer requests or uh, if you have something you'd like us to talk about, please feel free to reach out to the Street Prophet uh, podcast at gmail.com. That's the Street Prophet podcast at gmail.com. You guys have a great day and we will talk to you again soon.